Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, former Vanderbilt Athletic Department employee Tommy Smith. Tommy, of course, did part one earlier in the week with this. This is a follow-up part two, which includes audience questions. Today's news is sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, call Taylor or Russell at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Well, we are still waiting on the SEC's decision about football. The Big Ten and Pac-12 have opted out. The Big 12 is in. The ACC and the SEC seem inclined at least to leave open the possibility of playing. Of course, by the time this airs, that could have changed. You never know. But in any case, that is where things are as we record this podcast on Wednesday morning. Our guest line is presented by Bowling Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I had no clue how comfortable sheets could be until I got them. From Bowling Branch, they are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to BowlingBranch.com. That's spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code Vandy and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Tommy Smith joins me for a part two, and at the rate we're going, there may be a part three. We will wait and see. But Tommy, the first podcast we did was very enlightening. I've gotten a lot of positive feedback. A lot of folks appreciated you coming on in your candor. I want to thank you for joining us on behalf of a lot of people. Glad you're feeling better. You're out of the hospital, so I know a lot of folks were concerned about that. But anyway... Uh, the first one was great. I'm looking forward to a second part, and I'm happy that you were doing better. Thank you. Uh, I'm actually still in the hospital, but I'm, thank you. I'm here to speak candidly. I'm not here to throw anybody under the bus or spill any trade secrets. I'll talk about my opinions and experiences and whatnot, and and more than happy to be uh, uh, very, a very open book, but not personal towards anyone because I don't believe in that. But I'll, I, I, that's what I'm here for, and I'm answer the questions. Well, I, I guess I spoke prematurely. I think you were on your way out of the hospital soon, hopefully. I'm hoping to be home the day. I thought I was going home yesterday, so I'm I'm laying in the bed. Well, in any case, thank you for joining us again. Thanks. We have some topics that I did not get to in the first one that I want to get into before we get into fan questions. And I may break this off depending on the length into a third part with some of those questions from listeners, but... Um, just I want to get that clear on the front end in case we cut this short. But let's, right. let's get into some stuff that we didn't get into. I know one of the big things when Malcolm left or when he was being pushed out or however we would like to phrase that, we'll get to that part in a minute, was the offices. And I think – one of the things that I learned after he was gone was that his office renovation, which was part of a lot of the criticism about him, two things about it. One, I think it was paid for by the university from their budget. And secondly, I think that was part of a much bigger project with branding within that building, but I will let you explain that. I think that's right. It's my understanding that it was, that was, this is just my understanding. I wasn't involved in it. That it was paid for through the, chancellor's office and it was a larger branding it allowed me to have a spot to hang my hat during the day even though i don't sit behind a desk and i don't know why having a nice office complex uh is 
is a, is a boogeyman or if it's commiserate with a power five division one athletic director and vice chancellor where you can bring families in and have meetings and whatnot. I do think it's a larger part of a, of a better branding. And I, I don't understand why that's a story at all. Every office in Kirkland is big and spacious and looks good as it should be. So why athletics shouldn't have the same is, is something I don't understand. So basically, they were just trying to bring this up to the standards of the other leadership elements of the school. Well, that would be my interpretation, but uh, I think it should be. I, I think it, this isn't fancy. You know, you're a Division One athletic director, and, and you want to be the best of the best. We're not talking. There's not a wine bar in there. I don't think it was. Uh, in my opinion, I, I think it should have been done and and look look nicer and present an image that that is overall the same image that the school has in other departments. Was the price tag for all that justified in your opinion? I I have no idea what it was. Uh, I don't, but my, my stance would be, I don't know what it costed. I don't think it was anything spectacular. I, I, I cannot speak. I've never seen a bill, but that's not the issue. The issue is the standards that you have and the look you want to have and the brand you want to have. And uh, I, I don't think, it was wasted by any chance. If it was over, if it cost too much, somebody charged them too much. That's their fault. I know that a lot of things were done sort of behind the scenes in Malcolm Turner's tenure there. I know that the scoreboard for basketball, the ribbon board was something that was brought up to me after he was let go or again, resigned, let go. We'll get into that later bathrooms I think were another issue tell folks about some of the spending and where it went that maybe people didn't know at the time he was let go well I I can't use the I'm not going to use the word spending I'm going to use the word investments now I don't know what any of this costs I I got there you know I didn't get there when he did but certainly tried to catch up and help where I could it's my understanding the football scoreboard was outdated didn't work half the time they couldn't bring recruits on the stadium because they didn't know if it was going to work uh, the bathrooms were filthy. Why that's considered spending and not an investment. I've had several people compliment that done. They go to baseball games, specifically some of our female fans who had some sanitized bathrooms to go on that side of Dudley Stadium over there. I, I don't understand why that's a criticism, especially for those who have been in the football field and seen them. Those were redone. Uh, staff locker rooms in McGugan, which were Looked like they were from a high school in Nashville from the mid-70s were redone. Nothing major, just uh, the McCall room was redone. To, to You can bring folks in there and have high-level meetings. It was some, none of this is fancy. you got to understand that. None of this is fancy. It was needed. Same thing with the, the Kirkland, excuse me, the uh, uh, Hendricks room. I don't know what it looked like before, but it was completely redone. And so I prefer the word investments. I know he moved up the turf installment for baseball uh, a year, which I I think is great. I think it was already approved and it did it. So I just don't understand how people can criticize uh, investments. They say spending. I think that most people would say that's what Vanderbilt has not done in their athletic department. And I I think it's a false narrative. Well, one of the stories I got, and this may have been from the Luke Wyatt podcast that I did a few months ago, they had a toilet leaking, I think, somewhere in 
one of the football stadium the, bathrooms that hadn't been fixed for years. And so that took spending, but it was also saving the school money. I mean, I just wonder how many things like that were out there. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised. I know the bathrooms were redone in McGugan and uh, I don't know about that, but uh, it doesn't surprise me. I think you mentioned the air conditioner was broke over in the weight room. So that doesn't surprise me at all. I found a lot of things like that. Well, and I think one of the things that went unsaid at the time that Malcolm got let go, and look, I was critical of Malcolm when he was let go, but you come to find out more of the facts and their explanations for some of the things. And one of the big things that stood out to me was he was given permission to do this. Now, the issues came when Chancellor Nick Zeppos left and Susan Wente took over in the interim, but originally he was given charge in carte blanche to fix all this stuff. Well, I, 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 I've never had those discussions, but I think you're, my sense tells me you're right. He didn't have a credit card to go out and just do stuff, and I think that's what he was hired to do is my interpretation, and all of a sudden those, those went from investments to wasteful spending in some people's eyes, and I think that's exactly right. Uh, I, th- I think he, uh, instead of saying F you to him, I'll be saying thank you because a lot of these things should have been done years ago. I don't, yeah, did, were mistakes made? I'm sure they were. I'm sure I made mistakes. But I know this much. Uh, we wanted to raise the standards, the visibility, the brand, all those things. And that, I don't think that's been a, a addressed in years and years. The car service that he had was a big point of contention. I know the story about him going to Memphis to interview Jerry Stackhouse, hiring a car to come back. I mean, some of that, that yes, probably there should have been more discretion there, but I think there was also a situation where maybe he and his wife had one car and, and maybe the car service had been approved. I don't know if you know much about that, but what can you tell me there? No, I don't. But uh, on the, on the wife thing, I don't have any idea, but I'll, I will say this. In terms of a car service, I used them at the NBA all the time, and it's a different level. I get that, but the reason you use a car service is you can work while you're in the car. You know, you can. Do, you, I came from a, from a, an environment where I was getting three to four hundred emails a day, and I'd be on the road, and it was very vital. And I, I, I find that silly. I don't know anything about you know Jessica using a car. If they were doing something they didn't want me to do, just tell them stop. We don't want you to do this. It's not real hard. I don't think there was anything nefarious there. As a matter of fact, I'm sure there's not. But you think. Uh, Nick Saban drives himself to Birmingham, or do you think he's working in a car? You know, it, that's that. I think that's almost silly. It's not wasteful. We took a car down to the SEC tournament in Birmingham because I have because of the the work, and I, I and he and we came from a different pace. You know, uh, pace was different. I think some people there they're just not familiar with that type of pace. And if you want to get to that standard. You got to do that thing. I'm not saying they don't work hard. I'm certainly not saying that. But what I am saying is they have no idea the difference. So I, 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 to me, that's silly. Worrying about a car service is not going to help you beat South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. The consultant piece was a big issue. I think I was told he had as many as six for different things. What do you know about that? You know, there were some there. They were needed. Uh, I wasn't involved in hiring them. There was. There may have been one I may have thought I'm not sure we need this one, but but so what? If you make that, that's his decision, you back your people. I did have several of them. We'll say several come back to me and indicate that they didn't think the people they were working with understood what they brought to the table. I know exactly where they were coming from. It's like 
Uh, one was that I knew I recommended did work all over the world would have been so beneficial. And it's almost like showing up in Mayberry with a Georgia Armani suit. Some of you think, wow, how did I get one of those? And three, four, seven look at you like you're a clown. They just don't know. And, and I was going to try to teach them. This is the sophistication that needs to be here. So in terms of that, you know, I think that's noise. Uh, I think some of it was it's my understanding that he, that this is what was, to, you know, do this and do that. So I don't think that's an issue. You could always second guess. You could second guess what play was called. Did we need all of them? Maybe, maybe not. But I think McGugan overall is probably understaffed anyway and lacking an overall sophistication of what greatness is about. Well, and that's one thing I thought too is – if he needs all these consultants, what does that say about the people that he inherited in the that's, athletic department that they didn't know enough where they could have helped him with those things? That, that's a fair question. It's a very fair analogy. I'd always heard before I got there that the that the culture in McGugan was awful. That's always heard awful. And 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 it's somewhere in between. When I got when I got there, I could see that part. But there's also people and some were just like flowers waiting to grow and, and be taught and led and pushed. And others, I can see where that culture would be awful because they went looking, you know, if something was, if the pace was going to be different, the accountability was going to be different. And they would go to other folks and, you, and, and those types of folks, they don't know how you got to teach them. They look for one of two things, support or illumination. And several of them looked for, for support, which means that I'm a victim here. And you find, you know, and start looking for sympathy and others were ready to just jump out of there and get going. So, and I know how Malcolm works. I've been there. He takes his time. He's, he's not, he's a shy person. He gives you a chance to succeed after about eight or nine months. He'll make his, he knows what he's got to do, but I don't think he ever got to that. But I think what you said, there's some truth to that. Let's talk about when he left. It's been described as, a firing by some it's been described as a resignation by others like most things those get complicated what do you know that happened there and why in your opinion is he no longer there i have no idea i've never asked him what happened at the end and so that's that's number one my speculation is is they don't really want change i think in my estimation you I, I, my, these are just my philosophies. You hire somebody to do the job and you give them the resources and you take their expertise. You don't hire somebody to tell them how to do the job. And I think there was, I think that's basically what it comes down to. They resisted change. What really stood out to me, the narrative and the way the whole thing went down was just fascinating because, and I wrote a story about this called true statements of truth in the Vanderbilt way that I think was on and it ended up being really prophetic. I do think that they had things that if they wanted to get rid of Malcolm, they could have used to do that. And I don't know the whole story. There may be a smoking gun out there that I don't know about. So I will offer that with full disclosure, but the more I looked into it, I think that they could dismiss a whole lot of people there for the reasons that they dismissed him for that I know about uh, I just, in my mind, it sure looks to me like, okay, these are the reasons we're going to use to get rid of you, but the real reason was you were doing your job and you were pushing a lot of folks, and I don't think that they really wanted that. Is that a fair characterization, or I, is it not? You know, I don't, uh, They, I think so. I don't know. Like I said, I can't speak to the, you know, what happened. I don't know. 
And if I probably did, I probably wouldn't anyway, because I'm not here to throw anybody under the bus. But I do know this. I think they rejected change. It's pretty obvious. And why I was there, a lot of times I would hear the word, that's not how Vanderbilt does it. Well, you know, I'm not interested in how somebody does it. I'm interested in doing the right thing and what the goals and dreams are. So uh, I, I, I think that I think it goes back that they want it done a certain way. And I'll say this, administrators control, leaders inspire and motivate. And they have a right to do that. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not criticizing anybody, but uh, I don't – uh, I think there's a, there's a, I have a different viewpoint how they should do things towards their athletic programs and what it could bring for them. You knew Candace Lee, you worked with her. Do you think things changed with her in charge? Uh, I, uh, that's a great question. No, I don't think you can expect change when, first off, Candace is a lovely young lady. I like her a lot. Husband, uh, uh, Sean is a nice man. Her son, Andrew's a delightful guy. So, you know, if people disagree with something she's doing. That's fine. That'll be nice about it. And you should, if you should support, should support her as the AD there. She's the only place she's ever been. She's you know, went to school there, played there, and, and that's what they want. So, but I do think you can't you can't say we're changing and, and with what you've done, you can't do that. I have a different philosophy on that. But you know, uh, you got to support her if you're if you're if you're either in or out. In or, in or not, but I do think if you're in, you expect change. You're you're probably not thinking clearly. But I will say I like her. She's a good girl. I don't think she understands the total change that needs to be done there because she's never been anywhere else. But that's not right or wrong. That's just the facts. Where did you guys find her helpful in what you tried to do? Oh, I, that's a hard question. She was always very nice to me. I didn't work with her you know, a lot, spent a lot of time with her. I liked her. Uh, I don't, I think she knew how Vanderbilt worked and what Vanderbilt, the Vanderbilt way, so to speak. I, she definitely knew that. And I'm, I'm almost at the point, well, you could almost make the case. We should do everything exact opposite because it ain't, in my view, it hasn't worked the way I think it should work. But, you know, she, she was fine. You know, I know she'll do the best she can there. And I think that's what Vanderbilt wants. They want somebody that that falls in lines of what they want and she shouldn't be criticized when people say she's doing what Kirkland wants that's that's who that's what they want and that's her boss that's unfair to criticize her for that i think uh myself uh, i'm i'm a little more uh outgoing about no 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 there's a better way to do it i question i don't question authority may not be the right word cuz i'm a respectful man but i don't need, if you hire me i don't t- don't hire me and tell me what to do uh, I'm, I'm not into that. If you're going to hire me, I'm going to tell you what you need, and then we'll decide if you want to do it or not. Did it make a statement to you that they stuck with establishment in making her the permanent replacement? Because they said they were going to look outside for someone else. They didn't. And again, you know, you come off an environment where your boss and you were trying to change some things. You met resistance at every turn. And some of the same people that were giving you resistance were the same people that made that decision. I mean, I have to think that's not coincidental. Well, you you certainly can't say they're changing things now. I mean, it's it's all verbal; it's not tangible. So I think that's right. I think the basic strategy they want to go is is going to be the same, and that's fine. This is an ex- a continuation of what they've had for twenty years. So that's anybody says otherwise is just uh, is not a, probably out of Washington D.C. where they look you right in the face and spend something. You know, it's not accurate and i'm not suggesting that's wrong or right but i'm telling you that's what it is the jared pinckney story 
made a lot of headlines this year. And by that, I mean that's where it was said that I think Bill Belichick or someone from the Patriots told him that he had a losing mentality with the answers that he gave the Patriots in the interview. Pinkney was a preseason All-American tight end last year, had a poor year, didn't get drafted. What do you think that says about the culture in and around Vanderbilt athletics and football? Oh, I think it says a lot. I don't think it says anything to any particular person, but I think it says a ton. It speaks for itself. Before I get into the mailbag, I know you spent a lot of time <clears throat> in the NBA. I just wondered if you had any interesting stories or things with that uh, that people might want to hear or might be applicable to the situation over at Vandy. That's a great question. The NBA is the greatest place in the world to work for. The pace is so greater than what you have at Vanderbilt in terms of the daily grind. It, it, you're sprinting all day and you get used to it. I've always had a philosophy you treat employees to be like ballerinas, comfortable on their toes. I would tell one story. I went and see, I was in the marketing division, uh, help teams, revenue generation, and whatnot. And we were having uh, tons of issues with the G League owners at the time, and the independent owners, some NBA owners. It was not going well. And, it always seemed to, uh, because I visited the teams all the time, I always got dragged in. So my boss, Chris Granger, who now running the Tigers and the Detroit Red, Red Wings, used to run Sacramento Kings, he calls me in and they they want me to be more involved. We go see Adam. They want me to be more involved. They want to see Commissioner Silver, Deputy Commissioner at the time. They want me to be more involved in the G League and be as a little bit of a sounding board because I had a little more experience. And But I was still working for Chris. So Chris tells me, and I'd meet with him all the time and keep him updated because he's, you know, he's got 30 billionaires at the NBA he's worried about. And he tells me I've got card blanche to go see Adam anytime I want. Now, not folks who had, who don't know that level or hadn't been there. You have no idea the time constraints, you know, uh, I had two owners meet with commissioner Stern, rest his soul. And they met with him one morning and they told me they wanted to go to dinner with him that night. And he said, is it on the counter? They said, no. He said, well, my book, I'm booked for four months. It's, it's, it's mind boggling. So, Anyway, I wait a year and a half to go see Adam. I walk in, see him. I got 15 minutes with him. And he had told me I had car bonds come anytime, and it's hard to get that. So I walked in. I said hello to him. I call him Mr. Adam. He calls me Mr. Tommy. And I said, we sat down. I said, Mr. Adam, I've got uh, good to see you and exchange pleasantries. And so I got some ideas for you. But I said, I'd like to, I really want there to be two rules for this meeting. He looked at me kind of laughing. You know, I'm not telling him what to do, but he knew. And I said, one of them is, if I say something stupid, you won't throw me out the 15th window floor. And he laughed and said, of course, which I knew he would. And I said, but there's two reasons for that. So one of them is, is when I leave here, I got to call my mom and dad and tell them how this went. They know I'm in here and I don't want to start him hauling around. They say, you didn't make that man mad. And he laughed. You know, he understood it. And I said, there's some humor in that, but it's 100% true. But I said, the second is, is I'm, I cannot and will not tell you what you want to hear. I said, I wasn't raised that way. I can't do it. I won't do it. You know, I'm I'm only I'm say the same thing I when I deal with these owners. You let me tell you what I think. I think, and I said at the end of this meeting, if you think I'm stupid, I'm fine. You can fire me, and I'm, we'll hug and say goodbye. I'm okay with that. You have a right to know that because there's so much. You know, people say what you want to hear. It's 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 ridiculous. And I remember him thanking me for that. And I was in there for an hour and a half for a 15 minute meeting. And when I left, he thanked me. He said, "You've helped me so much." And my point is this, you know. You got to you got to think what you say, not what somebody wants to hear. And if if you're working in an environment where they don't want to hear what you think, then it's about control, and it's not about it's not about expanding your mind and getting better ideas. So I've always I've always liked that story because it, it sort of it illustrates that you need to you need to 
collaboration is listening, not dictating. You worked in the NBA. How many years was it? I think 14 or 13. I can't remember. So you actually worked in college sports longer than the, you did the NBA. Yes. 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 I coached in college and have done, done a lot in college space. Let's do the mailbag if you're cool with that. Sure. Sure. Our mailbag is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating on Brentwood. Josh can take care of all your insurance needs. Call him today, 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshuamintonhq at facebook.com forward slash jdmintonhq. He is my insurance agent. Give him a try. Tell him you heard about it here. One star bandit said, what was Mr. Turner's long-term plans for improvements to athletics? And specifically, what were we looking at that was covered by the reported 400 to $500 million funding needs? I think actually $800 million was the estimate that I had heard. I think that's what you were familiar with too. Uh, That may come up in the next question too, but let me let you answer this one first. I don't want to speak to any specific numbers, but, uh, and it's certainly no secret we were looking at all facilities how do you upgrade went around the country you know not near as much as we really need looking at different venues that are that have been improved on how to do it but i think they're all behind you know other than baseball you know i think facilities are, are not up to sec standards at all and you know memorial gym is good it's it, you can win in basketball now but there's but it needs a lot of you need some things over there you know so Everything in my mind was on the table looking at it. I was looking at everything and I don't want to get into any price tags. I don't think I don't want to, you know, divulge any inside information or anything like that. But uh, those are investments. That's not spending. Those are investments in your student athletes and your fans and your your brand. And uh, I think uh, I think they need those all across the board. It's soccer across playing the same field. One needs turf. One needs grass. I think the tennis courts has five courts. The indoor football stadium or, or practice field, the, the end zone is cut in half, and it's about 300 yards from the where they where they dress. Where you're going in there, so you don't have to go outside if it's raining and lightning. So I just don't. Th- I think there's there's I think there's a lot of things that need to, needed to be upgraded. I'd heard talk at one point about the football stadium being relocate, relocated to the hospital parking lot. Did you have any? Uh, experience with discussions on that no there you know there was a lot of discussions and some uh, you know you you discuss just like like an nba general manager i've, I've talked i know all these guys can say something hey would you trade me so and so and then next thing you know somebody leaks so and so is trying to trade their best player and all the drama starts you know so so there's a lot of discussions not to say it wasn't real but you should have a, you should look under everything i don't specifically remember that one but i know this we asked a lot of questions Ann Arbor Door says, were the peer institutions in comparison to large state schools or other smaller private schools like Northwestern, Duke, or Stanford? Uh, uh, well, I'm not sure I understand the question. Oh, well, I, I think it's because I left part of it off because oh. it was playing off the previous one. The question was basically when you did facilities comparisons and things like that, were they to peer institutions like the privates? Or were they to other schools also? It would end up being both, but starting out some of the private peer institutions and would have looked at more. How far were you behind places like Northwestern, Duke, and Stanford? Dramatically. 
What is the difference between those schools and Vanderbilt? Because those schools seem to understand that you can do those things and they don't hurt your brand. In fact, those schools are all, I think, higher in the academic rankings than Vanderbilt. That's the thing that people have a difficult time making sense of. Yeah, I don't. You'd have to ask somebody else that, but I'll say this. I use this example. Uh, Andrew Luck goes from Houston, Texas to Stanford. Bryce Love goes from North Carolina to Stanford, and Christian McCaffrey goes from Colorado to Stanford. They're not going because the degree's any better. It's, it's comparable. Maybe it's a little better, a little worse. I don't know, but that's not negligible. They're not going because it's a better conference. It's not, not even close. Palo Alto is not a better city than Nashville. It's not even close. They won't come here because you can't. You can't even recruit them because the facilities are are not are not modern where you can develop and and there's this notion of Vanderbilt the student at the athletes have to be ingrained with the university I don't I don't know what that means you go to college to expand your mind your chase your dreams and vision find yourself why somebody in Kirkland needs to tell you how to do that is beyond me and you can go out there and you can be free you can learn yourself you know I just philosophically I don't understand that one and you could get you could get athletes all over the country if they had that if they had that facilities that's why I just named those three guys I use those in a lot of meetings you could recruit against anybody in the country if you did it right and you come there don't I don't think anybody's ever force-fed a law major to hang out ingrained with the athletics so why is the other way around all these students hang around each other anyway you know they have they have their their practice and, and study and things and, and athletes have their practice so i don't get that they have to be ingrained in the student body they are they are students and, and it's not for me or anybody else to tell them that let people chase their own dream and vision and learn who they want to be and what role in life they want to go and those things i think that i think that's that's the difference again of an administrator controlling versus a leader inspiring where i find them so disingenuous is every time facilities come up, they talk about redirecting it back to the student-athlete focus, and that's their priority. Well, I'll tell you, you dig in there, and that's horrible. We've talked about the nutrition. I don't think people have any clue how big of a deal that is. The stories that I've gotten on that, which I'm not at liberty to share, uh, are alarming. Uh, There are many other issues that play off that, but they like to sit up there and act noble that they won't spend money on this or won't spend money on the stadium because it doesn't affect the students and their experience, they're full of it. Because the more that you dig in on things of where they serve their students, they're not serving their students. I just think the whole thing strikes me as a shell game. Well, I'll say the needs of different constituencies are different. It's not one size fits all. The needs are different. And, uh, you know, the discussion is always about athletics. I don't understand that they're student athletes and it's, you're in the greatest city in the country and the track is not good. And I don't think not, I'm not suggesting any, any uh, personal biases, anybody or anything like that. They don't understand. And you can't sit around and tell yourself how great you are. You can't talk about greatness. Uh, You got to show it. You got to do it and let somebody else tell you how great you are. I look at Alabama who I follow closely, and they had Michael Jordan in to speak to the team last night. They've had Mike Tyson, Condoleezza Rice. Is anybody down there saying these guys, these speakers have to go speak to the law library? No. Why would they? They can do that. So I don't understand why it's always towards athletics. And these are these kids are not dumb. They're coming there to get educated, and that, and you don't 
not judge, but to be educated. Just because somebody doesn't like an athlete, that's their problem. If the athletic department complains about the faculty, which had happened to me one day, I told them, don't ever do it to me again. I want, uh, And I'm not disrespectful, but I, I, I'm not afraid to call somebody out and say, no, 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 we're not doing that. So, so those things have to be done that way. Okay, they have to be done that way. I don't understand it. I don't understand why why that's that's considered favorable treatment. Those, those things should be going on. One Star Bandit wants to know if there were any projects close to being started. Uh, I don't think so. But I've been gone since February, so now you're in this pandemic. But but I, I don't – is there a shovel in the ground going on? I don't think so. But I, I could be wrong. The locker room was supposed to be the first, but that's been put off from what I understand. Well, you got lockers that have been there since the mid-'80s. So do I need to say anything else? I think that kind of sums it up. Dorking says, did you have much contact with Derek Mason? What were your impressions? What are his strengths and weaknesses? Can he improve the program? You know, I did. I liked him. Uh, I'll speak on when people want to evaluate the football coach at Vanderbilt and now it's coach Mason. He's always very kind. I think he's a good man, good family. It's you, you can't evaluate somebody when it's not a fair fight. And I've said that go back to 1967 and Google Vanderbilt football coaches. There's a massive amount of data of what's gone on. And he, he's those guys. I got to, I know that I used to get in there every day about four, four 30 work out and the, and would shower in the coaches' locker room football. They let me come down here because ours were being fixed. Nice guys. They work hard. It's not a fair fight. You cannot evaluate a coach at Vanderbilt football on wins and losses without the proper resources to give him a chance. So from that standpoint, I, I, I stand by that. And I think back, I'm 61 years old. I've been to games there my whole life and been around. Bill Pace, Rod Dowhower, Fred Pankos, Watson Brown, I could go on and on and on and on, and two of them have got out of their lives. Steve Sloan after two years and James Franklin after three. So the data is right there in front of you. It's about resources and can you be competitive. And if anybody says otherwise, they got their head in the sand. Chester Copperpot says, how close was Malcolm to firing Mason? Did Kirkland stop Turner from firing Mason? And if so, why? No, I don't. To my knowledge, not even close, and I don't think Kirkland ever said a word. No, yeah, it was I had, my recom- it was my recommendation. My talks with him, yeah, you can always fire the coach and then come back here five years later. You're going to do the same thing. I, my thing was, this is not about who's who's running the program. It's about facilities. You can't, you cannot evaluate somebody in a hundred yard dash when they're starting from the back of the end zone. Everybody else is starting at the goal line, and say he's not as fast as them. Well, he's running farther, so. Uh, no, I, to my knowledge, there was never any discussion about that, and nor should there have been. Yeah, I had a little bit of different intelligence on that, that that was a consideration. But your point was that it really didn't matter because whoever the coach was wasn't going to be set up to succeed anyway. I, I, you, I think the focus should be, are the resources there to be successful? I think that's what you and, – and, and I don't mean just in wins and losses – that, yeah, it's a big part. It's why you play the game. I mean, in terms of the development of the student athletes, sports science, health and medicine, nutrition, training. Are you doing those things? That's that was that's what I wanted to do. I was told that you guys really use that strategically as an opportunity to push for more facilities. And you're right; those are needed for all the reasons we've been over to. Did you find Candace 
helpful in, in that push to push the school? Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. Well, I don't know about pushing the school. I'm not, I wouldn't say she's as athletic minded as I am in terms of what's needed over there because I talk about winning. My, I'm not, you know, I'm not in any, uh, mindset there to try to make somebody in Kirkland happy. I don't even know half of them. I came there to look at it and do what's right. So in my mind, you know, she certainly wasn't hurtful, not at all. But, uh, but like I say, she's a lovely young lady, but it, I'm, I don't, I'm there. This is what you need. This is the SEC. There's a win-loss record. It's the SEC. It's the best conference in the country. There's a massive amount of improvements that need to be made, and there's a massive amount of benefits that will come from that. Now, if they choose not to do that, that's fine. But then don't. But you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth. That's that's my thing. You know, uh, you, you, when you take over something uh, as, as a coach, you look at who's the who. If I if I get hired as a baseball coach in the SEC, I'm looking at one program, Vanderbilt. What do I got to do to compete with them? I'm not worried about anybody else. I don't care because if I can compete with Vanderbilt, I'll beat with I'll beat everybody else. That's how I look at it. That's your measuring stick. Joe King wants to know: Were you and Malcolm Turner personally involved with finding and hiring the football program's offensive and defensive coordinators, uh, Todd Fitch and Ted Roof? Did Malcolm insist that Mason make the coordinator changes? Did Malcolm have a former or informal football consultant who provided advice on this? No, not to my knowledge. He's Malcolm Turner is not a micromanager. He knows what he doesn't know. He did not. He would not say hire this offense core. That, to my knowledge, no. Yeah, I, I've had a source that told me Malcolm had some input on that. Um, well, well, I'm sure there were some discussions, as he should, but I've never seen him do that. You know, uh, out of his wheelhouse, he knows what he doesn't know. And in terms of what you're going to pay him and this and that, I'm obviously being involved in those discussions. But no, I, I, I would be shocked. I, but to my knowledge, that would not have happened. Dorking says, do the people in power value athletics? Oh, I don't, I can't answer that. I, I don't think they, I think you've got some folks over there that don't understand and, and, and don't uh, realize the role. And my, uh, these are just my own, this is just my opinions, may be so worried about looking like their favorite athletics that they actually discriminate against them. I, I and, and to that question, Look, look back at the history, look at what you've got. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I can't speak for how anybody really feels about it, but to me, it's pretty, it's pretty plain. Uh, there's, there's, there's a different way of doing it. Winning's not bad. Winning doesn't mean you're bad. Doesn't mean you're cheating. You shouldn't cheat. Doesn't mean you got dummies out there. You shouldn't. It can, I think, I think athletics could, could shine a light on that place. Like no one, like it's never been done before. And, and maybe some people are worried about that. Papa Hick 4VU says, simply put, in your opinion, is there any hope for Vanderbilt Athletics with the current regime in charge? You know, there's no – I don't – I've never met the new chancellor. I'm sure he's – you know, I know Bruce Evans. I'm sure they hired a wonderful man and all that. I would say based on what's gone on the last – is there, is, there, is there any reason to think things will change? I, I haven't seen it. So I don't think – you know – Change is tangible. It's not verbal. Yeah, uh, that, that, I think that's a good way to put it. And, and a follow-up question to that, Dorking says, what type of AD does Vanderbilt need to be more competitive or does it not matter without changes at Kirkland? Uh, I, I, my, I can only give my philosophy. I hire people 
for their expertise to tell me how we should do it. I let them know if they, I give them the resources, I line the field off. They got my, I give them the, what the accountability is, what we can do, what I expect. And then when you need me, come get me. I'll be involved. I don't hire people to tell them what to do. Administrators control leaders, inspire, motivate, improve, and expand. Bobby two times says, who was the biggest supporter of athletics in your time at Vanderbilt? Oh, I, that's, it's a great question. I don't know. I, I, I really don't know how to answer that. I, I did find that people there, fans and, and folks felt like they hadn't been heard and nobody cared about them. That was an overwhelming, uh, feeling. I got back and they were shocked when I would return an email or say, let's meet for breakfast or talk to him because I wanted to hear what they wanted to say. That is an overwhelming thing I heard over and over and over and over again was McGugan is closed. What does that mean? You know, that they didn't feel wanted, they didn't feel listened to, they didn't feel appreciated. Uh, and, you know, a lot, this, a lot of this is, a, is art, not science, which most people over there don't know what anybody means. They just want to hurt, they care. You know, I had visit with people say, no, you know, I can't remember a specific thing. The guy said, here's what's going on. I said, no, 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 that's not going on. This guy kept pushing me and I tore him in half and said, look, I'm not going to tell you again, you're wrong. He had some wild conspiracy thing about this or that. It was really ridiculous. I said, no, 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 no. You can go believe whatever you want to believe. I'm telling you, you are wrong. Do you understand me? And the guy's a good friend, nice, nice man. He cared. But when he said something stupid, I told him, I said, no, 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 because fan is short for fanatic, which lends itself to un- emotional, un- uh, unknowledgeable speaking. And it took a while to get there. And every time he got in, every time he drifted off in that area, I said, no, that's not true. And so there's a lot of misinformation that gets repeated. And as I say, it's, fan is short for fanatic. But you still want to listen to them. I'm, that mean I'm going to do what they're going to say because I care about it. I want them. I want, if they didn't care, they wouldn't say anything. And I always said that. And so you just have to know how to handle that. Vandy Nash says, what forces at Vanderbilt hold back support for the athletic programs the most? And please be specific. You know, it's a, I, I, uh, not dodging the question. Uh, I, I couldn't answer that. I'm not close enough to it in terms of who's saying no, saying what well, I do think there's a lack of understanding of the role and the needs. I do think that doesn't mean anybody's uh, bad or good. And I think there's, uh, I, I think overall it's not a competitive environment on any level. Old Jack wagon says, if you could change one or two things about the culture of the university to make a tangible difference in on field athletic results, what would you change? Oh, I, I, a, these are some really good questions. First off, it's facilities and resources. There's no doubt. You know, and that and that athletics should be viewed as a shining star, not not something you want to keep over in the corner. These are not athlete students; they're student athletes. You have young men and women who come there to be lawyers and doctors and whatnot. God love them. That's fine. That's their chosen fields. You have others who come there who like to play baseball, basketball, football, soccer. That's great. That's their chosen field support them, help. You learn more in the athletic field. You do a classroom, you get educated, but you learn more about life skills out out on the ball field, how to get up when you, when you've got your ass knocked down and how to fight back. And you got a group of coaches around there that are terrific. The body of coaches over there are terrific and you got to give them resources. And as I said yesterday, the other day, you know, coaches, they're needy. They want things. I'd rather have them ask 
I have no problem telling them, no, 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 we're not doing that. That's BS. Here's why. But I want them asking. I don't mind. I don't mind that at all. I've always said, I'd rather have a fan at the game yelling at me than not at home, not coming. And I think Vanderbilt to the point now they're not coming. Yeah. The erosion of the fan base frightens me because a lot of them are just getting old and dying off or can't come anymore. They're not building a new fan base outside of maybe baseball where there's a pretty big younger following across the country. But I really do think they run the risk of losing so much critical mass that they just can't make it work within a few years. And I don't think the horizon for that is very far out. I think you described it pretty accurately. And uh, I think it's, I think it's an ignored fan base. I really do. And why would you come? I mean, you know, would you come back after that Georgia game? Well, a lot of people didn't. I, I know exactly. They, well, they didn't come to that one either. That's and, true. And, and, you know, stupid me, I talk about mistakes. We did a little thing for the graduates. I think it was 19 for something, a little thing where you can, they can get a season ticket for $19. or I can't remember exactly. Nice program for all the graduates. Well, dumb me didn't put enough guardrails in there. All they did was sell them to Georgia fans and make some money off of it and and it shows the entrepreneurial spirits of the Vanderbilt graduates and students, but shows my dumbness that I didn't I didn't guardrail enough. That wasn't the intent of doing that. And that's fine, you know. You live and learn. So mistakes were made, but that's all that did. And so they ought to all thank me for my stupidity, I guess. But you know, you try. But it's like the Tennessee basketball game. We did a salute to service that game. Probably forfeited some revenue. I worked hard to try to keep orange out because I don't want visiting fans and taking it over my house. And it met some resistance and people were skeptical. And I had to tell them if it doesn't work, it's on me. Don't worry about it. And this marketing community, they all did a spectacular job and we did the best we could, but you got to try. I'm not going to sit there and let it happen time after time, after time, after time, and not try to stop it. That's not, that ain't who I am. Old Jack Wagon, old Jack Wagon has a follow-up. Said, "Is Vanderbilt realistically capable of being consistently competitive in the SEC without major changes occurring at the university?" I don't think so. Vanderbilt policies changing policies. You know, I'm not saying you know the 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 the, the uh, outlook has to change in terms of how you do it, and you know your arbitrary record says you are. You can't hide from it. So there's no two ways about it. If you were AD today and you could control anything you'd want to do, what would you do? Oh, boy, it's a, such a good question. I would want total control to do it and fix it the way as I see it with the input of the university and, the, and my superiors and not interference. And the reason I say that is, I'm completely confident I know more about it than they do in this area. I'm not talking about how you do it academically. I couldn't have got in Vanderbilt. Only reason I was there, I got the keys of the back door from Malcolm. My grades wouldn't have got me in there. But I'm telling you, I'm totally confident in my intelligence to to make it work. VandyFan96 says, who should Vanderbilt fans target for voicing opinions of positive change? What would you recommend fans do to make their voices heard to that entity? Boy, that's a great question. I don't, you know, uh, it's such a good question. An old saying, you got to prove it to me, trust but verify. Uh, Verbal will do nothing. It's almost where uh, you just got to decide, 
if you're going to go to a game, you're going to buy a ticket, don't go expecting changes. And I would say I wouldn't buy a ticket, wouldn't go, but I'm not sure that's that's brought any change because not many people are doing that anyway. So I'm a little different than some. I'm People call some people fair weather fans. I'm not following losing. I ain't doing it. I don't do it. You got to earn my fandom. You know, if a team, I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, I'm loyal. I'm not jumping off the bandwagon. I don't follow losers. I don't follow, you know, you got to win. That's why I'm attracted to, to the excellence of Tim Corbin, Bill Belichick, the Alabama football. It's so well run the way they do things. And I like to be around that environment. I'm not following Rutgers football. There's nothing that's, that's got my attention. You know, I'm not following teams that don't do it right. I have no desire because I want to learn. I'm intellectually curious. Have you figured out who they do listen to regarding sports? Uh, no, I couldn't answer that. One star bandit says, can you comment on Vandy sports report of the demise of Turner as the AD and all the work in the background? Not anything more than I've done now. I think uh, once there was a change in leadership, you know, things changed and, and all of a sudden investments became spending and it was just, you know, it, it, it all, all the momentum probably stopped. I think that's, I don't think that's hard to figure out, but uh, if you, I'll say this, if you're doing things the same way you've been done them, the results aren't going to change. There's, that shouldn't be, that should not be hard for people to understand. And I, and I love the Vanderbilt fans. They deserve a winner. One, this is not criticism. I hope it doesn't sound like that. They're hanging everything they have on hope. Hope is not a strategy. You know, I go back. The standards are so low. You could you could walk under them with an Abraham Lincoln top hat on. And happy to beat Tennessee a few years. You know, great. Should be thrilled. They were the last place team in the league. Enjoy it. You got to beat Georgia and Florida. Are you playing for first place or are you content to be last? And when does losing stop bothering you? What I don't understand is how there's any portion of the fan base left that will trust them. Because the thing I say is don't look at what they say, follow what they do. They will not commit to anything. I don't understand how there's, and I think most people don't anymore, but I don't understand how there's any portion left that has any trust in them. My own own work philosophy has never been – and I've told people at the NBA when they would say this in me and say, don't ever say it to them again. I never say, trust me. I will say this. Listen, you hold me. You, I don't, I don't say hold me accountable, but I say you hold me to what I say I'm going to do. And I hope I hope I never lose your trust because I'm going to do the best I can. I'm not, I'm not asking for blind trust, but verify, you know, and as I, I'll say it again, change is tangible. It's not verbal. It's, it's got, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big game hunter. I don't like, I like to go after big things and uh, I set my goals high and I believe in excellence. I believe in hard work. I believe in honesty. I've said all along, all I wanted, and I told Malcolm this, is to make the Vanderbilt Athletic Department as a shining star as everything else is over there. Same sophistication, resources, pride. It's no different. And I think it is right now. Why do you think Candace won't commit to anything publicly or answer questions of any significance? Well, I, I can't answer that other than uh, communications has been taken out of the athletic, out of the athletic department and, and she works for Vanderbilt. So I, I assume that that's, that's why it is. I, I think it's unfair to, to criticize her for that. She's got to do what her bosses want and that's what her bosses want. Somebody will do it. Somebody will, I don't want to say rock the boat, but somebody is in line with their philosophy and that's fine. I don't, that, 
if, if anybody gets upset over what I'm saying, and that right there is, there's your problem. They're too thin skinned. They don't know what's going on. That's the philosophy they have. And that's fine. I got news for you. Alabama didn't do that. You know, Nick Saban's not worried about doing that. Nate Oates is not worried about doing that because you, you, in my, in my mind, you hire good people, let them do their job. I'll say it again. Administrators control leaders, lead, motivate, uh, inspire, set boundaries, hold accountability. And it's like Michael Jordan says, leadership is hard. Winning's hard. You can't be afraid. You know, and I'm not talking about being dis- dis- disrespectful to anybody. I'm not. You set high standards and you don't ask them to do something you wouldn't do. There were people over there that were flourishing. And there was others that were, that were as I say, were out around looking for support, not illumination. One star bandit says, since leaving, have you heard from other people about the Vanderbilt AD, the role, the perception, and from whom? No, uh, until you called me, you know, what was it, a week and a half ago or so, I've been completely off the grid. Like I said, I hadn't had a haircut since February. I did shave after two months. I, as I said, I looked like Saddam Hussein and Unabomber. And now going through a little, my back problem. So I had to, and for, for the context of this call, I asked you to send me everything that's been written because I, so I could catch up. So I've been out of it. I've heard from some, I've heard from some folks. And some have asked me to help, kind of help them get a job and things like that. But in terms of any other communication, no. Door King says, were you or Malcolm deceived when you took positions at Vanderbilt? I can't speak for him. Uh, I can't. Uh, all I did was, in my job with him as a special advisor, he gives me a lot of rope, just turns me loose. Probably uh, I can handle it. Other people didn't understand what my role was, but that, that's not. they shouldn't be worried about that. So uh, I, I, cannot, I cannot speak to that on his behalf. Baseball Bros said, did you feel there was an undertone to the department and in Kirkland to backstab Malcolm Turner and get him fired? No, I don't. I don't think anybody was, you know, doing those things, but I do think people resisted change. And at some point they had, they had, they got the support they wanted. Bobby two times says, was the higher stack house a favor for Turner getting the Vanderbilt job? Absolutely not. No, nothing against the, uh, uh, Bobby, whoever asked, but absolutely not. It's, it's, I don't mean this critical. It's a ridiculous question, but no. Bobby says, "Was your perspective? What's your perspective of Vanderbilt now that you've left?" I guess you've answered that, but if you've got anything left to be said, I guess that's a good time oh, to answer it. I think there's a lack of self awareness of what what it is. You can't sit around and tell everybody how good you are when when and when no one else is saying that. So uh, I, I think there's. And, and, and this is this didn't start two weeks ago. I mean, let's face it; we're talking thirty years. So that's why I, I, I don't think there's an awareness of what uh, how they're perceived outside their own walls. Tommy, I think that's it. Did you have any other questions uh, or, or any other topics that need to be addressed that we didn't get into today? No, I'm just trying to be frank and candid. I enjoyed the fans there. I think they deserve a winner. I hope. Hope they do well. I don't have any ill will about anything. I really don't, other than the fact I'm get out of this hospital and get healthy. But I hope they win every game. Uh, I think, I do think, uh, if I said, I think there's some discipline. and I think you need more competitiveness there. And there's a different way of doing things that a lot of people haven't seen and they just don't know it. So uh, if, I really do believe we, if, if, we're, if we've been given a lot of time, I believe we could have done it. As a matter of fact, I'm completely confident. Hey, Tommy, thanks for joining me today. I wish you the best in your recovery. 
Uh, and we appreciate all that you have done for the podcast. And uh, be safe as you get released back out in the wild, I guess. Thank you very much. And, uh, and uh, I'll say this. Uh, when I was at Vanderbilt, I said this the other day. You know, I've, I've read everything, so I wanted to keep up. So I, I like to know what's going on. I'm mean, a coach. I want to know who's recruiting who. I was reminded about that. Your sources and your background work was really good. And I used to even talk to Alan George, who I really like and is a good guy and does a great job. I said, I'm, who are his sources? He's too close to home. But I never said they were inaccurate. You know, I never talked. I think finally I told Alan, get me on Chris's podcast. I'm going to talk to him. So I think sometimes there's a there, this shoot the messenger it's not right. If you say something I don't think is accurate, I would, would have called you up. But I, you know, I never called you. Tommy, appreciate you joining us today. And uh, thanks again for all you've done. Thank you. Everybody have a good day. Bye. He's Tommy Smith. I'm Chris Lee, host of the Vandy.